Hello, everyone. My name is Vernon Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the Rise of Skywalker novelization and how some of the ideas presented in the novel if they had been included in the film, in the film, might have made the film, uh, might have improved uh, fans' opinions of the film. So let's jump right in. Now, first off, I love The Rise of Skywalker. I was so moved and so enjoyed myself, and honestly, but in complete honesty, it may be one of the greatest theatrical experiences of my life. I can just hear certain people scrolling up in the fetal position at me saying that, but it's the honest truth. I was so moved by, you know, Leia laying down her life to reach Ben, an illusion of Han returning, Ben giving up his life to raise, Luke lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp, on and on and on are the things that moved me. And I'm going to be honest, I don't, sometimes I judge movies on their technical merits, technical and artistic merits, but most of all, I judge movies on how they make me feel. And Rise of Skywalker made me feel good. Now, that being said, I have come to the opinion that the editing in The Rise of Skywalker is a little slothy and haphazard. As if it was kind of edited at the last minute. There seems to be a situation going on in the 21st century of filmmakers editing movies down to the wire even when they technically shouldn't be. In the old days, you edited the movie and you gave an edited copy to the composer and he would compose to the movie in its final edited form. That doesn't seem to be so true in the 21st century with filmmakers editing movies down to the last minute. Now, to be completely honest, people used to do this a lot in the old days, too. Or at least it wasn't unheard of. But I seem to have heard rumors that it's becoming more and more common nowadays. And so whatever he did, I think J.J. Abrams, and this is just a guess, I think he was editing down to the last minute. And it does feel like it was put together very roughly. Now that being said, there were things mentioned in the Rise of Skywalker novelization that, now yet again, I don't know this, but I believe if they were in the novelization that they were also in the script or earlier drafts of the script. 
But there were ideas that were cut out or, or never filmed for the final product of The Rise of Sky. Now look. I have said before, I do not like putting on a tinfoil hat and playing guess the conspiracy theory. You know, I don't like to say, ooh, let's let's try to figure out what the filmmakers were doing. So it is only my guess. We'll call it an educated guess. That there were ideas in the script which may or may not have been filmed that never made it to the final product that if they had been included might have improved the reception of The Rise of Skywalker. Now, I think that most people liked The Rise of Skywalker. Now, we can look at the critics, we can look at the Uber fans like me or online pundits and you can use the critics and the online pundits if you use them as a barometer it would paint the picture that nobody liked the Rise of Skywalker and that is not the case I think that the average person the average fan the average viewer liked it And a majority of critics liked it. Not a vast majority, but it's still a majority. So, I think that there is a false impression that the Rise of Skywalker was hated. Generally. And I just... I just don't believe that's true. I think our online world has kind of molded us into thinking that way. That being said, there were elements in the novel that if they'd been included on screen might have improved the reception to The Rise of Skywalker. Okay, we're going to take a short break to hear about our sponsor. And when I come back, I will give you the specifics. See you in a moment. Okay, we are back. Now, one of the big problems, and this is the elephant in the room, about The Rise of Skywalker, was the general feeling that it contradicted The Last Jedi by making Rey a somebody. It seemed clear to a lot of fans in The, the Last Jedi that Ray was a nobody, and that was her strength. Her strength was that she was a nobody. That she had no one but herself, and that made her strong. The idea that, that a nobody can be a somebody, which was very powerful message to a lot of fans. We discover in The Rise of Skywalker that Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter. And this kind of was upsetting. You know, our, 
our dear friend Emma Fife, poor Emma Fife, was absolutely in tears that they changed this. The idea that Ray was not special. The idea that Ray's that Ray's strength and power came from herself. Some fans felt the idea of making her Palpatine's granddaughter took away that. The idea that her power is not her own, but it's his. Well, let me tell you right now, I do not believe that. Ray does not have Palpatine's power, and you know what? The novel proves it. Now, I must confess, I have not read the novel entirely, but I am aware of some of the content. One of the things that the novel tells us is, well, number one, Palpatine is in a clone body. He figured out at some point during his reign how to, pre- how to preserve his spirit after death. When he was unexpectedly betrayed by Darth Vader, when his body was destroyed, his spirit fled and his spirit traveled to Exegol, where his spirit inhabited a clone body. But because Vader's betrayal was unexpected, the transfer was really, really bad. And that's why, instead of Palpatine returning to life in his full glory, why he was basically a decaying corpse. So that explains that Palpatine, yes, is a clone. And his body is falling apart because that failed body that he was in in The Rise of Skywalker could not contain his powerful spirit. And so he constantly had to basically be replenishing himself through making what looks like clones of Snoke and then draining their life and also being hooked up to that weird harness. You know, the Emperor is basically in a claw machine. The claw! So that is one element that would have been really nice to know in the movie. Because in the movie, Palpatine is there, and it's like, how's he back? We don't know how he came back, but the book explains it. And they could have explained that well in the movie. If they had done it right, it would not have felt too much like too much exposition. Okay. So that's one element that should have been in the movie, I think. Or or rather, would have been nice to see. I'm not saying what should have been. Because guess what? I'm not a filmmaker. So I honestly can't say. But it would have been nice, at least on my opinion, to see that. 
Okay, the second thing, and this is where we get with Ray. Palpatine also had another clone in the works. That clone was Ray's father. So he's kind of sort of the son of Palpatine. But that clone was born without any force potentiality at all. A great frustration to his quote-unquote father. So I'm assuming that means, and I'm sure the novel explains this, that in order to transfer his spirit, Palpatine needed a body that could harness, that could use the force, I guess. What it looks like Ray's father, we don't know his name, according to the novel, was born and created and there was no force potential in him. So his father, quote-unquote, said, okay, well, obviously that's not going to work, so I'm just going to keep him around and use him so that maybe when he has a kid, that kid will be strong in the force. Now, yet again, maybe the novel will further explain some of these finer details that I don't quite understand. But nonetheless, that child was born. And Ray was strong in the force. And I'm guessing they must have sensed it in her. Or Palpatine must have sensed it in her when she was little. You know, she was like, what, four when Uncle Flit took her? So what this teaches us about Ray is that Ray's power does not come through heredity. It is not genetic. In my opinion, and this is only my opinion, there's no proof to this, the only time the Force passed on genetically or entered heredity was with the family of Anakin Skywalker. Probably because he was the chosen one. So I believe they're a unique circumstance. Now, it's only a theory, but that would explain why the Jedi couldn't get married. Just think about it. If the Force were a genetic thing, passed from parents to children, why in the world would the Jedi forbid marriage? Unless the Jedi were really that stupid. Okay, that being said, what this tells us about Rey is that her power does not come from Palpatine. Because if Rey's father had no force potential, how in the world can we say that her force potential came from Palpatine? I think when Kylo Ren said, you had his power, Let's keep in mind that at that point, Kylo Ren was still a villain. And we don't need to take his words at face value. Not to mention, I doubt Palpatine would have said, oh, by the way, Kylo, my son, Ray's father, has no force potential. I, I, I doubt the Emperor would have told him that. 
especially because the novel tells us that the emperor was extremely embarrassed of his son. Quote unquote son. So, what this tells us is that Ray's power comes from herself. And, of course, the diet with Kylo Ren. That's a whole another discussion. Or the dyad with Ben, I should say. So, I believe that Ray is a nobody. The fact that Velveteen's her grandpa doesn't matter because her power doesn't come from me. Now, this is all just my own thoughts. But to those of you listening who may be troubled by the fact that Ray that you drew power from Ray being a nobody and were disappointed when they made her related to somebody. Based on what we learn in the novelization, Ray's power is still her own. And she is a nobody with power. And also, the fact that Palpatine's her grandfather doesn't make her somebody. Her legacy is not defined by him. And let's face it, when she from when she was like four to when she was 19 and 20, Ray lived by herself. Uncle Plot wasn't really much of a father figure. And Ray basically scavenged the desert herself. Ray is a nobody. And is only a somebody because she chooses to be a somebody. Not because of her family ties. There is so much more we could say about this, but I believe, for me, based on the information in the novel, Ray's power is her own. And to those of you who are extremely sad that they felt that felt that Lucasfilm butchered that and tried to give Ray's power a reason for existing. Rest assured that in my opinion based on what the novel tells us Ray's power is her own. For those of you who were wondering if Lucasfilm just couldn't deal with the criticism that some idiot fans threw out. You you remember after The Last Jedi and even The Force Awakens, some idiots, I'm going to be completely honest. Idiots were saying, Ray can't be that powerful. Well, you know what? Ray is powerful on her own, and her power does not come from Palpatine. My only regret is that this information was not included in the film. I love The Rise of Skywalker, but that, I think, is where it blundered. Is there is crucial information that was left out of the movie. We shouldn't have to go to a book to find out. 
But, you know what? We can't change that. So in the future, I hope that Lucasfilm is more wise about including all the crucial information in the movie. Those are my thoughts. Let me know what you think. There's so much we could say, and let me know if you think I'm wrong. It's okay. I'm totally willing to be challenged. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you hear is my ventilator. And thank you for tuning in to Fade Turners They Were Not. My Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.